This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Thank you for taking the time to be with us this morning. And um, I've got something good for you this morning. Let me get my notes down. There's a lot happening in the world right at the moment. And um, it's not limited to one aspect. It's something that's beginning to affect every aspect and every avenue of our, of our lives. And what's most important when you get into a situation like that is to recognize the fact that God is there. You may not see him, you may not recognize him, but I want you to know that God is there. In situations like this, what becomes most paramount for many people is they want to know the will of God. They want to know what God's intention is right at the moment, and they want to know how to take and hear from God and be able to deal with the circumstances and situations and move forward in that. I want to speak to you about that this morning. I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, to Acts chapter 26. And I'm going to start reading from verse 12. And it says, While so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus, with the authority and the commission of the chief priests at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven. Brighter than the sun, shining all around me, and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet, for this purpose I have appeared to you. To appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. I want to speak to you this morning about something that I've titled, Activating Your Heart. Activating Your Heart. There's probably no more pronounced time, a more pronounced time in modern civilization where people really want to know and have an awareness of God's voice. What is God saying to me right now? What is God telling me in my circumstances and situations? It becomes really important and vital for me to be able to hear what it is that he's saying because it's going to affect the decisions that I'm making. The decisions that we make become important because what you're deciding today is going to determine what your tomorrow looks like. What you are living today is a function of the decisions that you have made. So it becomes really important that we make good decisions. Everybody, and I shouldn't say that, many things and many people are looking for opportunities to have influence in our life and to have influence in our decisions. It's important that we recognize the contribution of each of those different things, but we fall over and we lean towards his influence in our life. His influence is going to be different to what you may get in other places. 
It becomes important to us because we're starting to define what our future looks like. And what we want to do is we want to move our life from blessing to blessing. And the way that we can be reassured and the way that we can feel comfortable that we're moving into blessing is when we hear his voice, we understand what he wants us to do, and we begin navigating our life in that direction. Christians bandy about terms with regularity. And one of the terms that I always struggled with, or I struggled with for many, many years, was the whole idea of living from the heart. Living from the heart. It sounds so superficial and it sounds so trite. And I think because in in contemporary society, we have so many movies about schmaltzy love and this, that, and the next thing. So our concept of what living from the heart is all about has been infused with a lot of these ideas that have really, have really worked towards eradicating and beginning to break up what God's initial design was to live from the heart. The question that I have for you today is, and that what I want to begin to explore with you is, is it possible to live from this place called the heart? And if it was God's intention for us to live from that place, how do we do it? Got the story of Saul. And Saul is out journeying. Saul is on a mission. He is out and he has been given the authority of the high priests and he's on a commission right at the moment. He's off to go and find Christians and to eradicate them. When we look at the life of Paul, I I want to just look at it a little bit because it's important because it gives us context as to what I'm talking about. Paul was not some weird individual. Paul was a highly trained, he was astute intellectual. He was a person who had spent much of his time understanding and getting to know what the law was all about. Saul was not a person who came from some weird sect somewhere. He wasn't an individual who came from a different religion. He had been raised and he was steeped in deep Jewish theology. He understood that. In fact, one of the things that he prided himself in was the fact that he was viewed as a Pharisee. A Pharisee in contemporary society, we could look at as somebody who is kind of an elder in the church. Obviously, they had the synagogue and they had the temple. But in in contemporary society, he would have been viewed as an elder. He was somebody who understood and he knew about the God of Isaac and the God of Abraham. He's somebody who understood and he knew about the God of Moses. He knew when you were talking about Jehovah, Jehovah, who you were talking about. He had a concept as to who God was about. He's not coming into the context and into the paradigm that we're talking about as a novice. This is a very trained, astute and religious individual. It's somebody who's dedicated his life to living the way that he believes that God wants him to live. And he's on a journey. He's on a journey that's been advocated and encouraged by the high priests. He's on a journey out there to go and find Christians and kill them. What's interesting to me about it is this. Saul is on a journey... But if you have a look at where, jo- where, where Saul has come from, all of the teaching that has been put into him, all of his studying, all of the contributions that have been made from the temple and his involvement with the priests and everybody else has established his belief system as to who the Messiah is. He had a problem with Jesus because when Jesus came into the picture, the Messiah was supposed to be the one who was going to deliver Israel from Rome. And what ended up happening? Jesus ended up being crucified like a common old thief. He couldn't digest that. He struggled with it. 
The problem with somebody like Saul was that the belief structure of his life and what had formed the beliefs of his life led him in a direction where he was so in pursuit of who he thought the Messiah was that he missed the Messiah. He was pursuing what he thought the Messiah was, but he missed the Messiah. What I'm suggesting to you is this. There are times in our life where our belief systems can be so established but can be so wrong that we miss truth. There are times in our life where we can have beliefs that are so grounded and so established. They can be so formed and we can be so convinced about the direction that we're heading in that what we do is we move in a direction where we actually move outside of God's will. You can actually end up working against God. You can end up working against God. Saul is out there working against God and he truly believes that he's working and doing the will and the intention of Jehovah. You see, the problem with it is this. We can get ourselves to a place where our beliefs are directing our life and we are so convinced of what we believe that we're able to justify it to ourselves. And if people come and approach us about it, we're very comfortable having a dialogue with them about it. We're very comfortable being able to speak to people and presenting to them a convincing argument as to why it's right. People feel such a sense of of passion about the, the convictions that they hold to be dear to them. He was passionate about what he did. He was passionate about killing Christians because he believed it was right. He was quite happy to take everybody's coat as they went up to stone Stephen. And he watched it happen. He was passionate about what he did. And it put him into a place where the resolve and the, the, the point that he wanted to act on was he was comfortable with. It put him on a resolution. Our beliefs in life are really important. The point is this. We can be sincere, but we can be sincerely wrong. You can be sincere in your beliefs. It's not a question of your sincerity. I'm not questioning the degree to which you're able to articulate your beliefs. I'm not talking about the degree to which you are passionate and empowered by them. I'm not talking about your actions and why you live from those beliefs. What I am questioning is, is your sincerity founded and established on truth? Because if it's not, it can lead you in the wrong direction. It'll lead you in the wrong direction. There are are Christians, and I believe this, that are at a place where part of our challenge in life is that our beliefs are outside of God's context. So what ends up happening is we are working against the anointing in our life. You want to know why things aren't happening in our life because our beliefs are not grounded and established in truth. So we're heading in a direction. We're convinced by that direction. We are passionate about that direction. We're resolved about that direction. But Although our sincerity is heading us in that direction, we're outside of God's will. God is wanting to go this way, and we're fighting really hard to go that way. Thank you, Lori. It's really hard preaching when you only have eight people. (laughs) We can be sincere, but we can be sincerely wrong. We can be sincere but we can be sincerely wrong. Our beliefs are important. And I'll tell you why beliefs are important. Because beliefs empower ideas in our life. Ideas don't carry any weight in and of themselves. But if we are prepared to empower them with our beliefs, we give them influence over our life. Let me give you an example. Everybody is hearing about coronavirus. And everybody's aware of the virus. 
The question is, how are you handling it? I don't want to get into a value judgment on Corona. What I want to do is I want to speak to you about how our beliefs empower ideas. So you had never heard about Corona probably a number, a short time back. But then you started to hear about Corona. So you heard about the coronavirus, and the question is, what did you start to believe about it? Because what you started to believe about it started to take root in your life and started to inform your belief system. Once your belief system started to get established, it began to affect the way that you acted in response to that. So what people started doing was people started shutting themselves out. People started removing themselves from society. People started being um, distance aware. People started wearing masks. People started doing different kinds of things. But if you sat and you spoke to them, many people would sit and tell you about the fact that it's the coronavirus. How could you not do a whole bunch of these things? Don't you understand this was probably the most uh, uh, treacherous uh, virus to hit society? They'll talk to you about what they think about it. They'll tell you about how impassioned they are about it. They'll tell you how so many people have died about it. And it's not to say that any of those things are wrong. What I'm talking to you about is the effect that it's had on your life. You have a look at it and people are doing certain things, believing certain things and considering certain things. But none of this ever existed in your life prior to the fact that you heard about coronavirus. In fact, most people have never come in contact with it. But look at your actions. Look at how you feel and look at, at what you believe about this. All of those things came about as a result of what you began to believe about the virus. I'm not saying whether things are right or wrong, whether you should behave that way or not. What I'm showing you is when you begin to believe something, it begins to affect the way that we think, the way that we behave, and it begins to affect our emotional set. It becomes important for us because then we start to recognize and see the value of beliefs. I would propose to you that the quality of life that we have today is a direct result of the beliefs that you currently hold. What do you believe today? Whatever you believe today is going to affect who you are right at the moment and is going to affect your disposition to how you handle circumstances and situations. If you see yourself as a victim, you will be comfortable in that paradigm. It means you will understand your circumstances and situation from that context. It'll move you to a place where you will feel disempowered to handle circumstances and situations. And as a result, it will translate into actions and resolves that are directly related to what your belief system is. You'll stand back. You won't engage. You won't do things. And you'll end up blaming the whole world and everybody around you for everything that happens. Because none of it has anything to do with you. It has to do with everybody else around you but my life is still a mess my life is still in a place where I'm not able to address certain things in my life why because my beliefs are wrong part of the challenge that we have when our beliefs are wrong is we get to a place where we always sit and say you know what it can't be me it must be the devil it's the devil who did it and if it wasn't the devil it must be the people in my life that's who did it if it's not the people in my life it's the government 
The government put me at this place. If it wasn't a government, it's because, you know what, nobody understands the kind of upbringing I had. It's always something else. I never get to the place where I sit and say, if I want to change my life, I've got to recognize the value of beliefs. And I have to understand that those beliefs are going to have a direct influence on the paradigm that I have towards my circumstances in life. The beliefs that I hold are going to inform the way that I feel and the passion and the drives and the reservation and the faith or the fear that I feel in in the context of my life. And it's going to affect the course of my life. It's going to affect the way that I resolve to behave in circumstances circumstances and situations our beliefs are fundamental our beliefs are so important to us Jesus there's a bright light that arrives and when the the light arrives everybody falls to their faces and Jesus says Saul Saul why are you persecuting me Why are you kicking against the goad? Kicking against the goad is an old term. Basically, when you talk about the goad, what you're talking about is you're talking about a divine prompting or a pricking of the heart. What Jesus is saying to Paul is this. He's saying, Paul, Paul, why is it that you are fighting against my influence in your life? Why is it that you're fighting against my influence in your life? It becomes important because we start to have a look at it, uh, the truth that the Holy Spirit and part of the responsibility of the Holy Spirit is to move us to a place where we're always moving towards truth. The thing about it is this, in our life, Paul was at a place where when he was younger, he never had that impulse because you know what? He was resolute about who he was and what he was involved in. The problem with it was the more that he, time he spent around Christians, the more time that he spent listening to their ideas about life, it began to have an effect on him. It began to influence him. It was easy when he just sat in the temple, when he just lived in, the, in, in shul and all he did was study with the other rabbis. The problem problem with it is this person called Jesus came on the scene and when Jesus came on the scene he was presented himself as the Messiah the anointed one and all of a sudden Paul started picking up on these ideas that Jesus had put down if you look at who Paul was he was not a person who was silly and superficial Paul was a, a person who was very determined and resolute about things and he was he was a scholar If he had heard what Jesus had said, I can tell you now, part of his disposition would have been, let me go and study it out and let me make sure that it's true or not. What God is saying to him is this, it may have been easy for you when you didn't know anything about me to sit and turn your back on me. But what's happened over time is the more you've been exposed to my word, the more you've been exposed to God ideas, it's begun to affect you. It's begun to change you. Why is it that you're fighting against my influence in your life? If you have a look at John chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, When the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. And if you go a little bit forward to the second half of verse 14, it says, He will take of what is mine and he will declare them to you. He will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. 
the role of the Holy Spirit, Spirit and part of his responsibility is to take the things of God and to reveal them to you. The part of the responsibility of what the Holy Spirit is here for is to take what God is all about and to interface with your heart. The Holy Spirit is a heart man. The Holy Spirit is a heart man. His responsibility and what part of what God has said to him is, I want you to take the things of mine and I want you to introduce them to people's beliefs. I want you to put them at a place where people are able to recognize and able to see who I am and they're able to step into that truth and live by that truth. And the way that he does that is he takes the things of Jesus, he takes everything that has to do with what Jesus accomplished and the finished work of Christ and he takes and he begins to reveal those things to us. He begins to have influence in our heart. As he has influence in our heart, he's starting to affect our beliefs. When we start to live from truth, our life changes. When we start to live from truth, the thinking starts to change. The paradigm gets reconstructed. The emotional set gets recalibrated. All of a sudden, my actions start to maneuver and start to change a little bit. Why? Because I used to live in unbelief, but suddenly I'm getting grounded and established in truth and things are changing in my life. Things change in your life when you get established in truth because the Holy Spirit has got a point. It's got a destination for you. And the destination is to walk you into God's design for your life. His intention, the Holy Spirit is committed to the word and he's committed to you. And he never stops working. He's forever working. Where is he working? He's working inside you. Every time that you find yourself in church, every time that you're reading something and the Holy Spirit jumps out at you and shows you something, every time you're reading a book, every time you're watching this kind of telecast, what's ending up happening is you're taking word, you're taking seed and you're putting it in your heart. And every time you put it in your heart, you're feeling Feeding the man of the heart. You're giving him matter so he can take those things and begin to interrogate who you are. He's taking the things of God and what he's doing is he's using them as an opportunist to sit and say, did you really believe this? Let me show you another idea. Let me present to you another option. Let me show you how perhaps all of, all of your life you spent your life living in a, a state that you thought was right. A state that you were so sincere and committed to. But maybe there's another paradigm. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He's working in your life. He's doing something in you because he wants to influence and affect the course of your life. He's committed to you and he's committed to the word and he never stops working. He's working in the lives of people who don't even know him right now. That's why it's important when you meet with people who find themselves in crisis and don't know him. It's important when you run into family and they're sitting and they're saying, you know what, I don't know how to handle the situation. Use those opportunities to seed them with word. They don't need your opinions. Your opinions are not going to change it. Take the word of God and put the word of God in there in a digestible way. Don't get the King James Bible out and start reading to people. But what you're doing is you're understanding the, the, the principle that as I begin to give seed and word to the Holy Spirit, I'm giving something to the man of the heart to take of that and to use that to begin to interrogate the belief system of other people. God is committed to you and he's committed to you moving into the, the, the dimension that he really designed for your life. Jesus has a look at Saul and everybody else on the ground. And he says to Saul, he says, Saul, 
He says, Saul, stand up. He said, there is the purpose that I appeared to you. Stand up, there is a purpose for which I appeared to you. What I'm going to present to you is this. If you want to discover purpose in your life, get your beliefs established in truth. What Jesus was saying to him is this. He first comes into Saul's life and he says, let me correct your belief. Let me correct where you are. And when you get corrected and you get established on truth, he says, now let me introduce you to what your purpose is. What Jesus is saying to us is this. Your purpose in life is directly related to being established in truth. When the belief systems of our life are established and grounded in truth, you will know what your purpose is. That's why purpose is inextricably linked to your destiny. Your destiny is spiritual in nature. Your destiny is to be conformed to his image. How is the Holy Spirit doing that? He's the man of the heart. Every time you are in the word, he's taking of the word. What is he doing? He's affecting the beliefs of your heart. He's changing the beliefs of your heart. He's conforming you to who God has called you to be. And every time he's changing something, what ends up happening is, I used to deal with the situation differently to the way I deal with it now. Why? Because I stepped into destiny, I've recognized purpose because I've changed my belief in this particular area of my life and suddenly I see it from God's perspective. I handle it totally differently. When your, when your beliefs get established on truth, you'll discover purpose. You were built to discover purpose. The way that we discover purpose is by being aware of the fact that we need to allow God to influence our beliefs. When we're talking about God influencing our beliefs, we're talking about a concept called grace. Grace, in the Greek, is the word charis. And what grace is, is God's influence on the heart and its reflection in the life. God's influence on the heart and its reflection in the life. What he's saying is this, I know how I built you. I built you with a most sacred place, with your holy of holies. It's called a heart. And inside of your heart are things called your beliefs. And it's going to determine the course of your life. I need for you to know something, that you were built for influence. You were built to come to a place where I could come in and I could influence the foundation of your life. And as a result of my influencing your foundation, it'll change the purpose in your life. It'll introduce you to purpose. It'll change the trajectory of your life. It'll introduce you to the course of your life. And it'll move you to a place where you realize who I am in your circumstances and in your situations. He's doing something, but he's wanting to influence you. The question is, are you open to his influence? If we are not open to God's influence in everything that we believe, what we do is we curtail walking into his design for our life. You cannot eliminate God's influence in your heart and think you're going to walk into his purpose. Unless we get to the place where we are established in who he is in our life, in our belief systems, we'll never walk into his design for our life. God's influence is incredibly powerful. We talk a lot about the Trinity. And the Trinity is one of those concepts that's really hard to grasp. Because it's three in one and one in three. And it, it, we, we find it hard in a natural context to wrap our minds around that. But what I want to propose to you is this. Here's something for you to think about. When we look at the Godhead, the Godhead 
is established in love, but it operates by faith. It's established in love, but it operates by faith. When you talk about being established in love, it's talking about agape. What it's saying is the relationship that exists between each member of the Trinity is defined by love. They have such a trust, such a reverence, and such an honor for one another that they continually live with an open heart, allowing the influence from one to the other, which is so dramatic and so profound that what ends up happening is you cannot differentiate one from the other, and the only way that you can define them is as one. The influence that comes from one to the other and the power of that influence is called grace. We preach the gospel of grace. We preach the good news of God's influence on people's heart. The good news of God's influence on people's heart. That's what we speak about. That's what we preach. What we're saying is this. God is at a place where he knows who you are and he designed you to be God-like. We have been raised with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. Here's a shock of all shocks. He's included you as part of the Godhead. And the reason he's included you as part of the Godhead is because he expects you to function the way the Godhead functions. And the Godhead functions by grace, by influence. What he's saying is, I built you to be like me, and I built you with a capacity to be able to be influenced. Because when I can take of myself and I can influence who you are, and you can live off that base, off that foundation, you'll walk into purpose and you'll walk into the design for my life. He designed us for that. When you have a look at that, what's quite important about it is because God was aware of who we needed to be, he built us with two important components. Number one, you need to be a person or as humanity, we needed to have the capacity to be convinced of something. We needed to be persuaded. If you don't have the capacity to be convinced of something, you cannot change. We all have built within us the capacity for persuasion. Secondly, we had to have a foundation called belief. Belief is where we take those things that are established in us and we put them into our world. We had to have those two things. Because we were built with those two things, we begin to understand how God operates. The question is, in a practical way, how do we take who I am and what I'm all about, and how do I marry how God has created me to be and created me to function with God's intention and what God's purpose is? I'm glad you asked that because I'm about to tell you. Here's a suggestion for you. If you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. It says, while we do not look at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What God is saying to us is this. He's saying to us, I want you to recognize that I want to work with you. Secondly, he's saying, I want you to understand that there are two different influences that are going to come in and are looking for the opportunity to affect your ability to be persuaded. The one is going to be natural and the other one is going to be spiritual. The third thing that he tells us is this. My intention is that you keep your eyes focused on those things that are eternal, those things that are spiritual, those things that are of me. How do we keep our eye focused on the things that are of him? 
Because when I live my life, I'm looking at the coronavirus. I'm watching the news. I'm seeing everything that's happening around about me. I'm watching people wear their masks. I'm watching everybody say, go away from me. Don't get too close. So how do I see the things that are eternal? He's introducing us to the concept of living by the heart. What he's saying is this. I'm going to show you how you're able to walk into a practical way of influencing your beliefs together with me. The first thing you need to do is you need to be able to see with the eyes of the heart. That's where we see the things that are eternal. God is saying, I want you to keep your eyes on things that have to do with him. I want you to keep your eyes on that which is unseen and call that into a place where it is seen. The only way we look at the unseen is with the eye of faith or the eye of the heart. He wants us to begin to look at that. He wants to recognize us to recognize the capacity that we have to be able to utilize something that he's given us called our imagination. When we begin to sit back and use our imagination, all of a sudden we transcend everything in the natural and we put ourselves in a place where we can marry ourselves to our heart and we can begin to give our heart license to begin to draw pictures all over our imagination that have everything to do, which is with what you, blah, 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 with, which has everything to do which is with that which is unseen. That's what he's doing. He's wanting us to use the board, the color board of our life, I called our imagination, and make that accessible to our heart so our heart can take truth and can begin to write it all over. And we can see those pictures and they become alive to us. Why is that important? I'm so glad you asked. If you have a look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, If Then you were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. What he's saying is this. The intention is you need to take your mind, the eye of your heart, and you need to focus the eye of your heart on the things which are above and which are not below. The things which are his and not natural. The things which are eternal and not the things which are, are surround us and, and inform our environment. He says, set, setting your mind. Setting your mind. Do you know what setting your mind is? Setting your mind is not only taking an idea that God has given you and looking at the idea. That's part of it. But what he's looking for is he's looking for us to take that idea and he's looking for us to attach emotion to it. What he's saying is, I don't just want you to see something in your mind's eye. I want you to experience it. I want you to encounter it. And the way that you do that is that you put an emotion with it. What he's saying is this. You can sit and you can have a look at the coronavirus. And you can spend your time meditating on the coronavirus. The thing about it is, the more time you spend considering something, the more time you spend contemplating something, what you're ending up doing is you're allowing that to have access to your power of persuasion. It's your power of persuasion which influences your belief. Be careful what has access to your power of persuasion. That's why he says, take the eye of the heart and have a look at the things which are eternal, which are the things that 
Him. Because when I start investing my life in those things which are inside of me, when I use my imagination and I let my heart have access to that, and I let it begin to paint pictures in my mind of the fact that greater is He that is in me than He that's in the world. I want to thank you, Jesus, that by the stripes of Jesus I am healed. And I see myself in that place. I want to thank you that you bring me to the place where no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I want to thank you that you've set before me life and death, blessings and cursings, and you've given me the opportunity to step forward into life. We begin to feed our imagination on all of those things. And what ends up happening is not only do I get to see who he is and what he's all about, but I can begin to experience and feel that. What am I doing? I'm using that as a catalyst. It's as an opportunity for him to come in and use my power of persuasion to influence my beliefs. When I start to get to that place where I encourage and I grab a hold of and I'm hospitable towards grace, his influence on my heart, what I'm doing is I'm entertaining grace. And when you entertain grace, you give it the right to have access to your beliefs. You give it the right to have access to your beliefs. He wants to change that. He's interested in affecting your beliefs. Why is he so interested in doing that? Because he wants you to live the life that he's designed for you. This is not the Old Testament. We're under a new covenant, a better covenant. He's put his life on the inside of us. What he's saying is, I'm looking for an opportunity for the life to come out. I've given you the man of the heart. The man of the heart is going to take the things of mine. And what he's going to do is, he's going to introduce you to a world where you can begin to see from the inside. Where you can begin to see a different perspective on life and reality and relationships and circumstances and situations and diseases. And everything that's surrounding you. You can begin to see it differently because you focused at it from his perspective perspective and not mine and when we sit in that place and we entertain grace it affects and changes who we are it affects us and makes us different there is power to living from the heart if you open your bibles one last time to hebrews chapter four it says for the word of god is living and powerful And sharper than any two-edged sword. Sorry, I'm reading verses 11 and 12. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what I did is I took this verse and I began to explore it in a little more detail. And I went back to the original Greek to see what the original Greek was for a few of these words. So I'm going to give you the words and then I'm going to read it to you using the Greek. God's word that influences our heart. It's grace. Anytime God is influencing your heart, it's talking about grace. It's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing is the Greek word penetrating or reaching. Division is the Greek word the act of distributing. Joints and marrow is a figure of speech in the original Greek, and it speaks about all parts of the person. And discerner is critical factor. So if we put that all together, basically we can re-read or we can paraphrase, paraphrase Hebrews chapter 4, 11 and 12 like this. The influence of God's word upon the heart is living 
and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating and distributing life to the soul and every part of our being. It is the critical factor that defines how we think and feel and act. There is a liberation when you understand what it means to live from the heart. There is a liberation that comes that will transform the way in a very practical sense how you live everyday life. The problem with so many people is they don't know what it is that, say, what it is that they should be doing. When they come to crossroads, they don't know what decision to make. Every day when they're dealing with their kids and they're dealing with their spouse and they're dealing with their friends and they're dealing with telemark, everybody's wanting to know how do I deal with stuff. What God is saying to us is this. My influence in your life is so much more fundamental than introducing you to an answer for a particular question. What I want to do is I want to change your heart. What he's saying is if you allow my grace to influence your belief systems, what will end up happening is it'll change the way you think, it'll change the way you feel, and it'll change the way that you behave. When you get established in me, there is a liberation that comes because suddenly I begin to realize it's okay to feel my Christianity. It's okay to get to a place, you know what? I feel this way about something. Why? Because I live from not my will, but thine be done. When thy will defines my beliefs, all of a sudden it all changes. Because I understand that beliefs define my being, When that belief is grounded and established in his will, you can live comfortably from that in freedom. Which means when you go out in places, you don't have to run around and find a verse of scripture for every last question. It's established on the inside of you. He's going to communicate to it through the way that you feel. I just don't feel right about that. Why don't you feel right about it? Because his influence and his will has established and has defined my belief system. And when I live from my belief system, things that are incongruent with my belief system make me feel uncomfortable. But what it does is it introduces us to what true Christianity is all about. It gives me God's paradigm for life. All of a sudden I can live from that perspective because I see things differently. I see people differently. I appreciate them despite the fact that they've got so many issues. I move to the place where my Christianity becomes exciting Because there is an emotional component. I can feel it all of a sudden. I used to live from concept. I had an idea about out there about what it was all about. Now it's something that informs the very heart of my being and what I'm all about. It moves me to that place. And it affects my behaviors. I behave differently. I start living by the fruit of the spirit. I didn't try and do it. I don't try and artificially put it together. It comes about. Why? Because my belief system is grounded and established in his will and who he is. Living from the heart is more fundamental than God answering a single question. It's about God informing and infusing the very core of our being. It's about him giving definition to every one of our beliefs. He set in place the opportunity for us to work together with heart man. So that he can take those things and he uses them. And as we're intentional about putting aside a time so that we can sit and we can dream with God. We can use our imagination with God. And it comes in times that we least expect it. It should be something that defines your prayer life. Otherwise you just have words. 
Your prayer life should be alive and robust with the images and the emotions of what it is that you're praying. You should be able to see it with the heart. When you worship, it affects your heart and your imagination. When you meditate, it's about heart and imagination. Why? Because God is using these tools to affect and to transform us so that we get our belief systems grounded and rooted because his grace is having influence in who we are and I'm stepping out and I'm living from a new foundation. I'm living from a will that's established in him. Make sure your will is established in him. Otherwise, you'll end up as a double-minded person. A double-minded person is, I think it was this, but make sure your will is established in him. Because it'll set you up to live a liberated Christian experience. Just before I leave you, I want to speak about one last thing. I want to thank you for your support. God has been so good and I want to thank you for your faithfulness. Do you know that we, God has been so good and every one of our bills, all of our commitments has been and it's been excellent. But I want to speak to you in the context of what I've just presented to you now about Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God. What is he talking about? He's talking about truth. He's talking about what's established and what defines kingdom. And he's saying when you get kingdom truths and realities established inside of you, in every area of your life, how you see your parenting, how you see your marriage, how you see your business, how you see your finances, when you get his truths established on the inside of you and you allow that to give definition to your belief system, what will end up happening is all these things will be added unto you. All the blessings start to come into our life when I get my foundation right. Why? A righteous foundation is a foundation that is representative of who he is. That's what a righteous foundation is. And it moves us into every area and every blessing that he has available to us. Seek first the kingdom of God. Make sure that it's righteous. It's representative of who I am. And all these things will be added unto you. I want to encourage you in the time that you are right now. There is a lot happening out there. There are a lot of voices. There's a lot of opinions. And everybody's looking for the opportunity to have influence in your life right now. Be intentional about getting to the place in your finances, in your relationship, in your disposition towards coronavirus, sickness, disease, and everything else. Make sure that the number one consideration you have in your life comes from the heart man. Get it from the heart, man. Be intentional in times of crisis of putting aside time where you are investing in the foundation of your life. Go and spend time in prayer, in worship, in meditation and allow your heart to spend time on the canvas of your life, giving you pictures as to who he is. Overlay that with how you feel about God's approach and God's disposition to things. It entertains grace, which changes our heart and changes our life. Father, I just want to thank you for every person today who's watching. I want to thank you, Father, that you have an incredible design for our life. You never called us to live and have a relationship with you that is distant and inaccessible. 
I want to thank you, Father, that the vibrancy and the life that we get to share with you is directly related to how vividly we get to see you. And it's an invitation for us to step into intimacy with you. I want to thank you that you've created us as people who can be persuaded, who are subject to influence, particularly your influence in our lives. I want to thank you that as that influence comes in, it brings about transformation in our heart, in our belief system. And as we live from that place, it translates into experiencing your design for our life. We bless you, Holy Spirit that you never leave us nor forsake us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, right at this time, that you will create opportunities for everybody right now, every person who's out there, to come across the paths of other individuals who may not know you, people who are looking for hope, people who are looking for God's purpose. And I want to thank you that you give each of us the right seed to deposit into those lives at the right time. We bless you for your goodness. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for your healing power. We thank you that we live in divine health. We thank you that we are overcomers. In Jesus' name, amen.